I got the award for the worst penalty scored ever. <laughs> I scored though. <laughs> what was so bad about it? It rolled under the keeper's arms. <laughs> Literally bounced. It was against Derby in the FA Cup. That was Sunderland ladies defender Charlotte Potts, and we'll meet her properly in a minute. I'm your host James Copley, standing in for Richard Manier, and welcome to The Raw, a podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo. Today we've teamed up with the University of Sunderland to bring you a football story that really matters. Charlotte, despite being just 24 years old, has seen it all, been there, and got the t-shirt of women's football. A knowledgeable and fun personality who loves to play the beautiful game, Potsy, like many of us, has experienced her fair share of struggles away from the pitch. But she's managed to battle back and turn negative into positive. And she helps other people do the same with a business, perform with pots. So please, grab a quick drink, sit back and relax. I promise you won't regret it. Thank you for joining us. No problem at all. How are you doing? It's a pleasure. I'm good. Good, good How stuff. are you? I'm, I'm very well, thanks. Nobody <laughs> usually asks that, so it's nice. This is take two, so hopefully it goes <laughs> better than take one. Hopefully. So the first question from me is that you're juggling quite a few things at the moment with your, your football, your business and your lifestyle. What's what's that like for you? Yeah, so like I'll just get straight to the point, basically. Process of elimination. Um, my life's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um so with process of elimination, I've been watching Matthew McGonaghy's motivational video and it talks a lot about how you find who you are, your true identity in your mistakes, your past experiences. So the sort of like relationships, jobs, like everything I've done in life has literally been like, I'm not going to say bad experiences, but they make you learn and they help you grow. So yeah, but they've helped me find where I want to be now and get my feet on the ground and start my own business in football-specific personal training. And what's the business called? It's Perform With Pots. Perform With Pots. I would encourage you all to Google that. My main target audience is grassroots football. Obviously, there's a huge talent pool of young footballers out there, and I don't think the likes of Newcastle Academy and Sunderland Academy would be able to get those talent if it wasn't for grassroots, and it's all thanks to the coaches, the parents, for being able to put put so much work into it. Um, My mum and dad had their own grassroots club when I was younger, so I am actually thankful to what they do and I want to give as much back to them as I can through my knowledge and experiences. And that must be pretty rewarding as well, working with kids. Hugely rewarding, but like seeing how much you inspire them and um, they look up to you a lot, which is, I think that's what makes me the happiest. And on that note as well, say when Sunderland ladies played Hetton, obviously they're not playing at Hetton at the moment because there was a fire but the the little girls would come there and they really look up to you. That must be really nice. Oh, very nice. Like, to be able to pass on your knowledge of, like what I said, the process of elimination, the past experiences, knowing what went wrong for you to make sure it doesn't go wrong for them, to give them a chance in life. Yeah, definitely. And there's a big community feeling in women's football as well, although it does still remain pretty competitive. Just off the top of my head, you are good friends with Courtney Locke, who plays for Newcastle United. I am, yes. And Kira Ramshaw, they grew up together. Colin Locke's Courtney's dad, and Colin's made it his mission to photograph every <laughs> women's game in the North East. He's an absolute legend. And then you've got people is, like yeah. Louise Griffiths, who you play with, who's good friends with Bridge, who she plays with, who uh-huh. are good friends with Olivia Watt, who plays for Middlesbrough. So you've kind of got that real community feel. Yet in the derby, 
it was well in both derbies against Middlesbrough and Newcastle. It was it was quite feisty, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Like we all know each other, and like going back to you saying that I know Courtney Lock quite well and Kira. We played for the same grassroots clubs, and uh, we started off as Chester Athletic, and that club got like sort of abandoned, and we then moved on to Tyneside Juniors, which was my mum and dad's club. So being able to play with them for that club was quite special. And I don't think, I think, I actually have to thank Kira because she was the brave one who stepped aside from grassroots and pushed herself to Sunderland, which made all of us think, oh, hold on a minute, we could probably do something like this as well. There was actually six or seven of us trial for Newcastle um, under 16s with Mel. Mel. That was Mel's team at the time. Yeah, that's Mel, and it Mel just, Copeland, the Southern yeah, Ladies yeah. Manager. So it just goes to show that like six or seven of us trialled and we got on the squad. It shows that we were a really good grassroots club and, well, we were the best in the, at the <laughs> time. Um, but, yeah, there was me and Courtney and a few others played for Newcastle and Kira played for Sunderland. And it was only when we played each other for Sun, like Newcastle and Sunderland was when I decided to go on to Sunderland. Um, I still could have had one more year at the academy Mel still says that well, that was the wrong decision and I do agree with her. I maybe came away from the centre of excellence too early mm-hmm. and joined women's football. I wasn't ready. So is that a bit of a, a baptism of fire coming into full women's football from the academy? Process of elimination. Yeah, mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. And as the listeners have probably guessed, you're not actually from Sunderland. I'm not, no. So you are Newcastle born? I am. And you're playing for Sunderland. What's that like? Um, it doesn't bother me now. Like when I first signed for Sunderland as a youngster, I used to joke around and say, "Oh, I'm wearing my Newcastle top under this." <laughs> but um, yeah, like I feel just as strongly about Sunderland men's team now as I do about Newcastle men. If Sunderland men get beat, uh, that upsets me as well. I want us both to do well. It would be really good to see us and the men's team get promoted this season. Yeah, really good. Definitely. Cool, and so we'll move on to your playing style as well. As I said in an earlier chat or take before <laughs> before we messed when up. When I wasn't ready. Yeah, I like wh- to be prepared. Yeah, well, you've got to be prepared. Preparation is key. So I kind of put my foot on it and said that you, you love defending and you were going to ask if I was being sarcastic because you actually prefer being on the ball, don't you? I do. I love being on the ball and dictating where we go in possession. But yeah, I do I do like defending, I guess. I, you have to. I'm a centre-back. Um but probably like my strength is trying to motivate my team and keep them, keep encouraging them. Talked about in a conversation earlier about passion taking over and sometimes I get a little bit too passionate and it affects all the young ones. Um, so I need to like try and keep encouraging to make sure that that doesn't get to them. Keep them focused into the air. Uh, in the games as much as I am myself. Because despite being quite young, because I think you're around the same age as me, is it 24? I am 24, I'm 25 this month. I'm 25 next month actually, but you're one of the senior players in that squad, aren't you? Despite by kind of men's football standards still being quite young, but in women's football standards that's that's a fair age, isn't it? There's only really me, Kira, Meg and Grace who are like above 24 so yeah and then you've got the youngsters like Jess Brown and and stuff like that they're the really young ones who've got great potential by the way I mean that goal Jess Brown's just won goal of the month from the whole club so she beat Chris Maguire yeah it was a great goal for the month of August what what was that like witnessing that at the stadium like that must have been good I I could see it happening so obviously me being at the back as a centre back I could see her line I shot up and I knew I knew her talent I knew it could go in and I actually started my run towards towards (laughs) her before the ball went in the net so proud of her 
she's got such such a great attitude yeah yeah. And, and what what do you say like when when somebody scores a goal like that like I'm I'm intrigued as to how players react like, to that in the pitch are you like are you like wow or I think congratulations or? I think it's different to men's football because they've got like a crowds in all the stands to go and run up and celebrate with the air but with women's football we're so connected together we just celebrate together mm-hmm. and like share the love <laughs> <laughs> and was that the first time you've played at the stadium like that as well. Um, it was, yeah. Um, I signed after a couple. I think it was a few years after, actually, when they played Chelsea in the FA Cup. Yeah, and what what was that like playing in such a, a big stadium? Because it was what was over a thousand people there, wasn't it? Yeah. So I thought I was going to be quite nervous going into this game, but with it being at the stadium of like and being against my old club, but it was, it was amazing. Like just to be able to play on that pitch, mm-hmm. it was like a carpet. Yeah, I bet. Obviously, get your touches right. Make sure your passing's accurate. It was nice and spacious. Yeah. It was really, really nice. And kind of being a ball playing centre-back, does that space make much of a difference for you as opposed to Hatton? Hugely. Yeah. I mean, I think because now I'm fitter, I'm probably fitter than I've ever been, I like to u- utilise that space quite well, so it's helpful. Yeah. And like that match had a, like a proper derby feel from like the first like, 10, 20 minutes there was tackles flying and everywhere nobody could keep hold of the ball was that frustrating for you was like quite a calm head and a, and a senior pro where you just kind of like I, I want to get on the ball and let's stop losing it I mean that's always frustrating for me but um, as I say I've learned to keep a steady head now um, it would really frustrate me a lot in the past but I just try and fix that those errors for my teammates next time and hopefully we can come together and sort out the issues. Yeah, and there's a great photo afterwards of you and um of you and Courtney. I think that you put on Facebook where you say that um you both playing for the opposite clubs, which yeah, I quite yeah. enjoyed. But we played together as well for Newcastle, so it was quite special. How did the young Charlotte Potts get into football? <laughs> I think, as I mentioned earlier, my mum and dad had their own grassroots club, so they used to have a team for my brother when my brother was older. He's seven years older than me, but they started a team for me when I was like four or five, so very very young. Um, I've always been obsessed with football. My family's hugely obsessed. You can even hear my mum in the stands against the air uh, against when we played against Newcastle. Um, very passionate. Um, and obviously that passion does take over sometimes, but you, it's really important for you to not forget that you go to play football to escape problems from life, and when those problems from life go into football if you're taking the football problems into life that's when it becomes a problem you've just got to enjoy it because football can be quite magical then also my primary school secondary school that was me playing with the boys so I've played with boys all my life all of them will admit I was one of the lads mm-hmm. um, from being in year three I played for my year six school football team the boys wow. um, and then also in secondary school I played for the boys school team up until year nine um, my PE teacher had to try and put things into place for that with the FA but it was really nice of him to do that because it, w- it was like me sort of seeing the difference between the boy, the generation like the, the genders, the boys and the girls mm-hmm. I started to notice a huge difference in year 8 and year 9 like the strength, the speed it is a huge difference but And do you think that kind of helped you playing boys football up until that point? In, in terms of your development in the women's game? Helped me massively, but the women's game sort of like, it affected me because I preferred playing with the boys. Yeah. When I went into the girls, all of the th- the factors around the pitch, the likes of all the 
the cattiness and stuff like that used to affect me more because I was so used to just getting on with it. And is that a factor in, in women's football, do you think, from your point of view, like the, the kind of cattiness? Sometimes. I think it depends on the team environment. Um, but you could probably also say that about, like, when I watch some men's teams as well, you could you could probably level that at them as well, couldn't you? It really does, like, yeah. So I have witnessed some men's teams have the same issues, so it just depends on the team environment. You've got yeah. to just try and promote a good, positive feel in the club. I think we've got that at the moment. It's really nice. Yeah, definitely. And just on, well, we're kind of, like, flying around all over the place at the moment, but just on this season, obviously, you would really like promotion, wouldn't you? I would love it. Yeah. I would love to get back up and uh, not even WSL... Uh, not even the championship, but back in WSL one. And and do you think kind of obviously you've played at that level before? Is that mm-hmm. a long term goal for you to get back there? Definitely. I mean, I know deep down I've got still some time to work on myself to get there. But yeah, I'm aiming for that. I'll not say much more. Yeah, and and you're backing yourself as well. Like, do you think you're good enough to to get back to there? Do you do you believe in yourself to that? You gotta extent? have faith. You gotta, as George Michael said. You gotta have faith. faith, faith. <laughs> Um, just on the World Cup as well, have you noticed a shift in kind of attitudes since the World Cup and, and did you enjoy watching it yourself and, and do you think it's it's been good in this country in terms of promoting the game? Oh, I've just hit the mic there with my cap. <laughs> um, I think the World Cup, it was really important to get the message across how much the standard has improved. But I think what the girls, the Lionesses got across was the desire and the passion I think that can sometimes have a negative effect because obviously if you take them emotions into the into the game, it can stop you being mentally focused and you always need to be mentally focused within the game. But that to show that desire, I think that's what gets it gets the women's game noticed. We don't we don't necessarily play for money. I mean us at Sunderland aren't on contracts. We play for passion. But yeah, it's just not allowing that passion to take over. So you've been abroad a couple of times to play and a coach. So how was that beneficial to you? Probably the time I went to LA to coach was most beneficial than actually playing in Canada. Um, I that was the time I took some time out uh, from Sunderland. I actually got offered a full time contract with Sunderland and I refused it um, because m- my mental state was quite poor. Um, and going abroad, I had had a breakup, and I decided to go abroad to just sort of find my identity. Process of elimination again. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed with this amazing family, and this family was um, had they had three daughters and one son, and they were hugely involved with their community through church. Believe it or not, I did go to church on a Sunday with them, <laughs> um, and sort of it gave me a sense of gratitude, like. I've always been a grateful person, but to be able to like be part of their community, their family, and just see how they lived in their culture, it helped me grow as a person. And I get quite emotional talking about this because like I was really, really close to them. Mm-hmm. You still in touch with them now? Um, we try. It's difficult with time, uh, time difference and other commitments that they have, but. Yeah, I'm really grateful for them. Yeah, and you mentioned the plane side. What was what was that like? When when did you go off plane? Canada was a bit of a roller coaster, if I'm honest, because and that was at the end of last season, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I thought I was gonna like, I thought that this was it. Like this is my time. I've got to prove myself. I was actually gonna try and go 
play professionally elsewhere in a different country after this. But it's funny how like plans don't work and things like that. The club that I was at, Calgary Foothills, great club. A lot of English coaches who were ex um ex professionals in the Premier League. Actually, Tommy Wheel it was Tommy Wielden's club who used to be a player for Everton, and I got along with those coaches really well. Just differences with in opinions with me and my coach that made me bring all the insecurities I've had in the past back out. And I was actually in, in contact with Mel while I was over there. And it was like, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth staying over there to get them insecurities back again mm-hmm. when I had made so much improvements on myself through coaching in LA, coming back and playing with Sunderland. So I think it was really important that I noticed that wasn't right. I had some good conversations with the coaches out there who were given a lot of like really, really good advice advice that where they've had their experiences in their careers of taking a little development dip and then shooting back up again mm-hmm. i noticed that dip and i've came back home straight away to it's it's impressive in a way because obviously everybody has insecurities but to kind of to know your own mind enough to change your decision takes like a real strength of character doesn't it mm. and a lot of people will see me as, me as an emotional person i'm not as emotional as i used to be i don't necessarily see that as a bad thing a lot of people will think it's a negative, but it just like what you said. I know my own mind. Yeah, which uh, which is a good thing. And to be fair, you don't really play that emotionally driven on the pitch. You're you're always quite calm from from what I see anyway. When I'm looking on from the stands, I don't know how your your teammates might <laughs> your teammates might look at that. I used to be, and a lot of people will tell you I used to be a very aggressive, a very emotional player, and my emotions used to take over massively. And that used to be an issue. Probably part of the reason for that was because growing up, I used football as like an escape. But like I used to take the aggression I had in my personal life and put it into football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I actually used to box as well, but to try and control my anger. We'll speak about barriers now we're faced, and it's kind of like you know a, a touchy subject in, in, <laughs> in the women's game at the moment, and it's very topical. So I'd, I'd like to cover it if that's all right with you. So what are the barriers you faced as a as a women's footballer? <laughs> What haven't I faced? Um, just going on before about um, using boxing and football, playing aggressively. Um, obviously, I got bullied growing up for my man being gay um, in school. I've had a few of that issues as well, but that sort of triggered my anger. Even though she was highly respected in my local community through having a grassroots club. So when you go into secondary schools, teenagers don't realise the effect their actions can have on individuals and it affected me playing football massively. Um, My emotions went all over. Um, But, and I I sort of kept that habit of letting my emotions take over if I was in the wrong team environment. Mm -hmm. When I was at Gator College and when I went to Newcastle, I was enjoying my football, so it wasn't an issue. But if I didn't have that support of teammates, that anger only got worse. Mm-hmm. So even the likes of when I was in WSL1, my emotions took over. And it, was, it wasn't it was even something I could manage. I'd feel like I didn't get the support to help manage it. Um, and once I was still in that habit, I couldn't get out of it, mm-hmm. um, which is why I had to take that break away from football. Yeah, and, and you were angry about your experiences at school and, and what you'd been through? Just all the insecurities I've developed over the years and, like... Boxing helped a lot, but it sort of triggered it as well. Yeah. 
How did it trigger it? It just made me more angry. It made you more angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, supposed to get your anger out, though. Isn't but it? now I know the con- now I know how to control my emotions, and if I ever do get angry, I will go to the box and bag and l- release all the energy out. And yeah. But that's because I now know how to control my emotions. I didn't in the past. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned earlier something about communication as well that you wanted to that you wanted to speak about. Yeah. So having those insecurities. I sort of had a relationship in the past with a uh, a deaf guy, and although I got something good out of it because I learned sign language. Cousin's deaf, actually. I know a bit of sign language. It's a shame we cannot do it now. People won't hear. No, people won't be able to say. Yeah. <laughs> that would defeat the objective. Yeah, it, it would. <laughs> so yeah, like that sort of helped me learn sign language and develop some sort of some aspect of communication, but it also had a negative effect because I'd sort of like keep myself to myself and I wouldn't engage with people. I would skip, I would skip education. I wouldn't go to college, which was important. Now I see that, but yeah, so that made me develop some insecurities. Yeah, I can. And I, I can took imagine. that, I took that into the, into football as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've been through the kind of trials and tribulations of, of Charlotte Potts. We've been through all the bad stuff, the insecurities, <laughs> the, the anger, the the relationships. Jeez, you're making me sound so bad. <laughs> every, everybody goes through that, you know, kind of, we, we live in a society where everybody kind of posts the best side on social media and you think everyone's okay, but this isn't, we know this isn't true. Like, Not I have problems. Cragsy's probably sat here now. He's probably got, <laughs> he's probably got problems that he doesn't, he doesn't share with us. But, I want to talk about the success now because now you're doing really well and obviously that's really nice to see and you're enjoying your football. Yeah, I love it. I couldn't be happier if I'm honest with the business, helping helping all the kids, trying to succeed with my own football and inspire them. My back's been against the wall for far too long. It's not anymore yeah. going forward from now. And you, you seem to have been able to kind of like channel that anger like you said, through your box and in a kind of a positive energy now, so it's not kind of just like bursting out there. Not at all. I can control it and I use it for motivation. But I also can observe my teammates and try to help them as well to make sure any anything that in their life doesn't affect them so we can succeed as a team, not just me as an individual. And, and that's going to benefit them, having somebody that's kind of been there and done it mm-hmm. and, and seen it all. Mm-hmm. I'm very relatable. I like to... I like to observe. I like to watch people and sort of help. So we're going to do some kind of like quick fire one or two word answers just for a bit of fun, really. <laughs> so who is the funniest player in the dressing room at the moment? Me when I'm on top form. <laughs> <laughs> no, I joke. Um, I don't know. We've all got we've all got a funny character. So everybody. Yeah. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> all time favorite women's player. Jill Scott, massively. Very inspirational. Mm-hmm. How did she inspire you growing up? She was my coach growing up for oh, was she? now and again for Gateshead College, Sunderland Academy, um, when I was younger, younger. Mm-hmm. Still in yeah. touch? Um, she's a very busy person. Yeah. If I was <laughs> I to say, I, if I was to say, I'm sure I would have a nice conversation. Yeah. All-time favorite men's player? Oh, that's given something away. Oh, was it? Or was it a Newcastle player? No, it's just my ritual. I like to study him a lot, Sergio Ramos. Best player you've ever played with? Demi Stokes. Striker you've least enjoyed playing against, so who's given you the hardest time? I don't know. Um, the most successful now I played against her for Durham County was probably Nikita Paris. She did well at the World Cup as well. She done really well. She's developed a lot since, obviously, our county days. Mm-hmm. 
Um, obviously, it's just so nice to play with Kira again. Like, I didn't really get to play with her for Sunderland in, the, uh, in my younger days um, in the women's game. Growing up with Kira, we've had a really good relationship on the pitch, on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just nice to be back with her. And she's like captain fantastic and she really she's like the poster girl for like Sunland AFC ladies because she's stayed and because she's from Sunland <laughs> Sunland well. till I die she is isn't she um, yeah she is she is she's lovely she's a, such such a nice girl and she's a good captain as well she is yeah laid back Larry <laughs> but, uh, I was gonna ask that would you say she kind of more leads by example rather than oh she leads by example yeah massively rather than kind of being really vocal on the pitch yeah so obviously I'm very vocal but Kira her like examples of how she lives her life how Kira likes to help kids as well Kira's lovely so we've come to the end of the podcast I hope you've all enjoyed it I'd like to thank Charlotte for taking time out of a busy day oh it's no problem at all thanks for having me good luck for your for your next game against Huddersfield I know it's a a table topper really isn't it yeah we got this There's never been a better time to support women's football with interest so high after last summer's World Cup. Media outlets are reporting on the ladies' game more and more. And at the end of the day, they wear the same kit stripes and badges as the men, so why not get yourself up to Hetton one Sunday? It's only a couple of quid to get in. And you'll get to meet a happy, friendly and welcoming set of supporters, photographers, announcers and journalists. Ian Todd, Colin Locke, John Hume and daughter Katie, David Keeler, Cragsy, Craig Clark, Michael Loft, and countless others. You'd be mad to miss it. Thanks once again to Charlotte for coming on, and cheers to Mexico 70's Neil Bassett for providing us with his band, Hiding Beasts, amazing song, Pictures in the Sky. This has been the Raw Podcast, produced by the Sun and Echo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>